Welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast. I'm Simon Delarue, and uh, with me today are uh, two panellists with uh, a large amount of experience in uh, island life and politics in particular. Uh, we have Martin Thwaite, who has uh, served the parish of St Andrew for uh, a decade or more, and uh, has indeed been the Senior Constable of St Andrews for the last uh, six years. And uh, we also have Deputy John Dyke, who stood uh, for the first time at the last election, a member of the Guernsey Party, who earned 8,214 of your votes and is now a member of the Scrutiny Management Committee and the Development and Planning Authority. Uh, Good morning. Welcome to you both, gentlemen. Oh, welcome. Morning. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'd, I'd like to start, if I may, uh, Martin, yeah. with, by asking you um, what is the what, what are the sort of big ticket items on your plate at the moment, if I'm not mixing my metaphors? Um, what's keeping you busy? Well, this is the time of the year when... As Many of our parishioners will know the rates go out. So we've been uh, we're going through the process at the moment of uh, we've recently had our parish meeting, had our rates approved, and next week I'll be going to the royal court to get that uh, passed in by the uh, the bailiff, and we will then go to, through that lovely process of sending out the the bills to all the parishioners or ratepayers in in uh, St Andrews, and hopefully in a few weeks' time start collecting the the money. And um, that process, is it all fairly routine for you now after six years? I mean, do you find that there are, uh, you know, are there any particular items that are bothering you at the moment? And what level of engagement do you get from parishioners? Well, it's, it's, it's the same thing every year. We have a basic budget which varies very little, but then we have the big ticket items which tend to be those that would attract the interest of our ratepayers. So we do publish uh, in the Gazette, in your, in your publication, the the uh, the amount what we're asking for in the year, the parishioners some will read that some won't. So also on the website and other media, and some will come in and see us, discuss it. Others will phone us up. Many more will email, and a few will come to the meeting and voice their opinions. And um, so that's keeping you busy. And I, and I understand that you're also uh, making preparations for uh, Liberation Day. Indeed, we are. Which yes. been different for you uh, this year compared to when you started. Yes, St Andrews has always been a different. We've always uh, different. We've always offered the, if you like, the alternative Liberation Day celebration. I think that's been going on for about ten years now, uh, based on on the last post pub in St Andrews, and working in conjunction with the landlord of the day and the Vale Earth Fair. You know, we've put on music and, and an event. I think every year for the last ten years. I think there was a break um, during the first uh, COVID. Uh, first covid we're doing it a little bit bigger and better this year i hope so we do get a very good turnout and of course last year and again this year the cavalcade runs right past uh, the event yeah and now you get your own allocated funding from education sport and culture that must we help. have put an application in for funding and that's helped us to put a little bit more into the event this year yes Actually, before we move on from that subject, Deputy Dyke, um, uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on that change in the way that the island is celebrating this uh, momentous day in its calendar? Well, it's. It, I'm, I'm glad we've got got the extra holiday, um, and uh, I, I hope everyone has a good time. I think there's been a bit of an issue about who's spending what, but uh, I don't think that detracts from the the event and. Uh, the enjoyment hopefully we'll all have. There has obviously been some criticism about um, you know, one or two parishes not sort of joining in since Samson's was saying, well, it's all a bit late notice. Did you, did you find that uh, a difficult thing to put together or is it different for you because you've, already, you've had this thing we up are, and running? We had the advantage that we've been doing it for, 
for years. So, so we had a template, but I, I do have some sympathies with St. Samson's. I, I think, you know, there was a meeting last year prior to Christmas, which one of my colleagues attended. So, you know, we were aware in basic terms of how it was going to change this year, but it did. It probably was a little late. Yes, yes. In in, in putting a plan together, which where the parishes knew their part in it. Yeah. And have you been given the impression that this is how it's going to go in future, with with um, parishes doing their own thing mm. to a large degree? Not officially, but I, I would suspect that if it goes well again this year, I mean, what people did like was the cavalcade travelling around the island, and a lot of people came to places like. St Andrews, and that's where they knew the cavalcade was passing. And, and so it added another thousand or so to our turnout, I think, last year. Yes, the cavalcade was brilliant yeah, last year. Yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed that particularly. Yeah, and uh, so do, do, you, do you think that it's, we're better off doing it parish by parish rather than having it all centred in St Peter Paul? I don't have a strong view on it, um, but I hope the cavalcade... Is, is, are we still having the cavalcade this year? It's coming through as uh, last year, slightly different route, different timing, because the timings went a bit awry last year. But, it, it was, yeah. yeah, I think I was waiting for about yeah. an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that historically what would have happened in St Andrews, we, because we have the Bailey Earth Fair putting on music, they've obviously got their own f- followers who come up, but we tended to get... People would be in town part of the day, then come up to St Andrews, perhaps later in the day, because you have music in the evening. So they were covering both the town events and our event. I suppose that's one thing that um, it tends to be forgotten about in some of these discussions, is that just because you live in a parish doesn't mean that that's the one that you have to go oh, and attend. No, so no we get people from, from around the island. But I suspect this year, because you've got you know, the cattail and the, doing their event and, you know, we, there's one up at the forest. There are other events similar to ours, so there will be a lot of people going to their local their local event, I think, this year. Um, uh, moving on, uh, Deputy Dyke, to the things that are exercising you as a member of... Uh, well, should we start with planning, first of all? Um, what's, what's the major part of work that's keeping you busy in, in your role as a member of the authority? On, on planning, um, we've been quite busy earlier on in the year putting together um, a a slew of exemptions which have now um, been approved uh, through a policy paper. Uh, We're trying to get uh, planning uh, application times down and taking certain small items out of the planning process hopefully will save everyone time and money and, and get things moving um, more quickly. Yeah, the, the DPA has been uh, afforded some praise for get, getting rid of some, well, if we can call it sort of red tape, to use that phrase. Yes, um, De- Deputy Oliver's been very um, good on leading on, on these things. So it's been quite a, a, a good place to work. I'll, I'll back that up, actually. Um, the, the constables of Desaines had a presentation from Deputy Oliver last year on the proposed exemptions, and they took feedback um, from us, and I, I thought it'd been very well handled. And what are the dangers, do you think, of, of, of going down that route? I mean, what, what are the things you need to be careful of when you're, when you're stripping away the, the sort of bureaucratic challenges? Well, you have to be careful that you don't take out things that could lead to bad development. So in the conservation areas, we've reduced some requirements, but not too much, so that there's still a handle on changing, not changing too much. Actually, myself live in a conservation area so it's so it's 
it's a it's a bit of a pain if you want to do something. But on the other hand, you you do still need the restrictions to try and keep things looking nice and keeping our uh, general ambiance in in Guernsey. Yeah, I mean, there has been, um, particularly as a result of the intervention of Deputy Delisle wanting the annual monitoring report of the IDP um, debated, which got delayed to the recent uh, states meeting, there's been a lot of concern expressed about loss of green land on the island. Um, is Some people might imagine that that has something to do with the relaxation of, of rules. Is there any correlation between these yeah, two Yeah, the things? issue has been the conversion of agricultural land into the curtilage of surrounding houses. Um, that has happened quite a lot, Pro- probably not as much as people think, but it, it's happened quite a lot, and there has been some concern about that. Um, but what we have done now is put in a requirement for a presentation from the owner uh, who wants to convert agricultural land to curtilage uh, for some biodiversity gain so that they don't just put a lawn in, that they come up with a plan to uh, improve the biodiversity of the island. So we'll uh, be seeing how that goes. And is there a role for the parishes in encouraging that biodiversity net gain? Uh, there is, and, and certainly in, in St Andrews there's been great concern about the loss of agricultural land to to curtilage. We've experienced a lot, and of course we've got quite a large farming community, and, and you know they'll, they'll quote me in acres of land or verges of land lost in the parish, good agricultural land to a non-agricultural use. It may even be for, for, for horses, you know, and, and, and so on. But we, we've, we've suffered quite a bit from that. But I have noticed recently that applications are being turned down, which in the past they seem to go through almost on the nod. So perhaps we're moving in the right direction. It's interesting to hear you say that you know, some of that land has been lost to um, you know, grazing for horses or keeping horses. So it, we're not necessarily, when we're talking about green land lost, we're not necessarily talking about um, new houses going up on oh, these places. No, no, not, uh, certainly no, okay. not in St Andrews. No. I mean, that, that's another conversation. We're not losing its housing, but we're losing good agricultural land yeah and irretrievably or do you do you see a process by which it can be brought back in under that umbrella what what we have to consider here it's bigger picture i notice another thing which is will no doubt be on on uh, deputy dyke's agenda is is the future of the dairy and so on and indeed dairying industry in guernsey but at the moment we have a need for all the fields that we have mainly for um for dairy for dairy use but we can't afford to lose any uh, and is is that one of the sort of considerations that plays into your work at the DPA? With uh, well, the dairy itself it, it, it does have some some issues. It's not my portfolio, and I can't speak with any great authority on it. But I think at the moment we do have a an oversupply of milk, so we have the problem of of milk being tipped away, which which is an issue. Um, as I say, I can't really speak to that with any great authority, but it would be nice if we could do something with it, like make cheese or, or whatever. But there are some, some economic issues there. And there, there's also a problem with the dairy that's getting quite old and at some point is going to need replacing. Yeah, I mean, the St Andrews is a potential... The dairy's in St Andrews now. There's a potential site for it staying in St Andrews. It's a good central location. But, yes, it's exactly that. The, we have farmers on the Dresden and they say, you know, the milk could be used... It, in other ways, as you say, cheese and yogurts as they used to do. But you need a modern dairy to do that. I was going to say the costs of that presented so far have been eye-watering. So um, 
it's not actually in the government work program right now. Um, and remaining on the subject of, of planning, uh, perhaps more generally, um, Deputy Dyke, you're, you're responsible, understand, for reviewing the success or otherwise of this GP11 uh, policy, which has been so widely discussed. Uh, how's that work progressing? Yeah, it's been an issue. It's part, I mean, it's part of a bigger picture with the affordability of housing. And there are a lot of sites out there that haven't come forward, not necessarily big sites, also some small sites. I think we've got open planning, you know, consents out there in the vicinity of 500. I think I'm very bad at holding figures, but I think that's the figure, a very large number anyway. So the question is, why aren't they all coming forward? Um, And one of the issues, and, and there are many issues, one of the issues that I've been focused on is GP11, so for the uninitiated, we should explain that this is a, an obligation on the part of developers to allocate, if they're putting forward a proposal for 20 or more uh, homes, allocate some portion of that development to uh, affordable housing. Yes. If you, if you go over 20 houses and you have to put uh, 26% of the site must be allocated to, to social housing, and then it goes up and over 30 houses it gets to 30%. So that's quite a big number. Um, and my concern has been that that effectively acts as a tax on the development of private housing to buy because you've lost a chunk of your site and then you've, you're left with 70% of the site um, to work with. So costs and profits are loaded onto that 70%, thus pushing up prices. And is that theoretical or have you found evidence? Have you got feedback from well, the developers it, that that's In happening? terms of economics, I think that... In terms of economic theory, that must be the case. And the, the history over the last few years is that the big sites haven't been coming forward. Uh, we do have some um, sites coming forward now, uh, which I'd better not discuss in detail because uh, I'll get myself in trouble because we then have to look at them on the, on the planning committee. But there are a couple of big sites. I think Leal's Yard is, is a matter of public knowledge. So that's good. Um, that's a good thing. Um, but still, it doesn't completely alleviate the concern that the houses on there will be more expensive than they would otherwise have been, and possibly smaller than they would otherwise have been, had this um, GP11 not, in, not be in place. The, the whole issue is quite con- controversial. Not everyone agrees with me on it. Um, uh, one solution would be to suspend it for a while to see how it works. Um, one could also think of more compromised solutions. Uh, Jersey are thinking of a, a GP11 type plan where they only go to 15%. So that might be an answer. Uh, we also have a technical problem at around 20, you suddenly leap from no allocation. At 19, you can do your thing. And at 20, then you come into the um, the regime. So should that be phased in rather than a cliff-top leap. Um, so there's some technical issues. There are all sorts of compromises one could come to. As I say, not everyone agrees with me on, on my analysis, but I think the economic analysis is correct. And so um, how, do, how is this work going to culminate? Are you, are you bringing uh, a policy letter on behalf of DPA with regard to this? Um, are you gonna well, hopefully to... we're going to have a consultation later in the year with the various options that might be available. And who are you consulting with on that? Well, I suppose one would start with the industry, uh, as they will have some thoughts and analysis. Have they, have they not been formally consulted up till now? Not formally consulted, no. 
I mean, we've had input. Which, and, and so this is developers and um, estate agents? Uh, I, we haven't um, sorted that out yet, but it would be with, yeah, the whole industry if we're going to do it. Um, I don't suppose you have too many of these particular developments being proposed for St Andrews? Well, do you? we don't, no. <laughs> no, you're, you're out, of the, out of the main centres. We've got no, uh, no centres, you know, development centres in, in St Andrews. There's no village as such around which to, to base any new development. Now, we have one local centre in Cattell, um, which has some scope for some small housing developments, but, and that, that's quite near me, but that's all. Is, is that an issue for St Andrews, actually, not having a sort of focal point? I mean, you've got the church there, and it used to have a school next to it, of course, doesn't have any more, uh, and your Duzane is just up the road. Um, do, you, do you feel that is sort of the hub of the parish? Or? Um, we... we I don't mind this saying this. I mean, our views on the closure of the school, I think, were quite loudly expressed at the time. I mean, we lost the heart of the parish, really, when that closed down, the St Andrews Primary School. I mean, the, we, um, it, what it meant was a lot of things, but one was that, you know, there were traffic concerns and all the rest. Well, we now have traffic concerns. What we have now is we have, just for those people who don't know, we have now children at St Martin's School, Catal School, Forest School, some are Amherst, and I think possibly a couple elsewhere. So St Andrew's school children are now travelling all around the island to, to get to their primary school and, and coming back again. So we've got a terrific... Where before everybody just walked down the road or cycled down to the local school, they're now scattered everywhere. And it, it certainly impacted on, on the community in, in, a, in a very poor way. Yes, so, it was a shame. I, I was sorry to see that go. So, um, and that led to a lot of other things happening, um, including, in fact, the, the, the Duzane taking the big decision to take on the school. Um, and, in fact, we now have total ownership of it. Um, and um, I'm making some use of that uh, to, tr to try and build a, rebuild the community around that. And when you say some use of it, is it, is it now a really busy place? Because some of the community centres around the island really, well, we, really we took can't a, get a booking, can you? We, so? took, uh, we, took, a, we took a slightly different um, route. And what we did do is we took the school over before it had been allowed to basically fall to pieces as some of the others had. So it, it, it was almost in sort of move-in sort of condition. So what we had in all, the run-up to the discussion about the school, we had a lot of people saying, oh, We'd like to use your school in, you know, when it closes in, in, in one way or another. Um, and so when we took on uh, the school initially for five years as, as joint owners with the States of Guernsey, um, we set up a St Andrews Community Centre LBG, Limited by Guarantee Company, to run it for five years to see how it went and to go out and seek some tenants. So at least we had some income and, and they did that very successfully. So um, I would say 80% of that building has permanent tenants in it. Now, of course, they've got to be of a community nature. So, so we've got one of the island's premier dance and theatre uh, schools there. We have a, a preschool. And in fact, the Guernsey Dyslexia Centre is, is based there as well. So when you started on that process, you must have thought, well, on the one hand, it could, this could be a moneymaker if it all goes well, or, or it could cost ratepayers quite a bit if it goes poorly. And which we, we, which we, outcome have you experienced? We went through all of that. We had some quite a number of meetings. With, this was all discussed with the parish, and in fact, um, one of the meetings, we ended up having to hire the, the, uh, the theatre at the grammar school. So many people were coming, were coming along. Um, after five years... 
um, we decided that we would buy the states out of their interest in the school, which we did. Um, and now we've given the LBG a new 15-year lease and the tenants are signing up for long term. And now how much did that set you back? It didn't set the parish back a, a penny. No, are, are, you, so are you just... You, I thought you were saying that you bought the states out. Were you just, we, we, you just agreed we, to we, take we, it over? We, we did a property exchange. Right, OK. So what did they get in return? They got a small cottage. Right, OK. OK, so you, you see that then as, as something that's going to be... Um, that you'll be able to continue to develop we, the, the, as your the space. The undeveloped space is now being developed as community space. OK, so you'd see that as a success story, you know, from what you're yes, saying. Yes, and, yeah. and in fact, you've got as many people going there now in a day as when we had a school there, including school children, to the, to the, to, to the preschool. Now, changing uh, subject entirely, because there are a couple of um, items I jotted down on my little notepad here that I thought we ought to address, because I'm thinking about the the big items that are on our calendar um, this year with regard to um, politics and and the states. Um, The delayed um, tax review uh, is still sort of looming large. It's like the elephant in the room. Everyone's discussing it, but not much... um, uh, progress, it seems. Um, we've we've heard of another delay of the tax review debate, Deputy Dyke. Um, you're on record as saying that you are very keen not to see additional taxation. Um, has any any of the vast amount of persuasion that's been put out there by policy and resources persuaded you? at all from the position you took at the election time? The answer actually is no. Um, I respect all the work the PNR are doing on this. The reason we've had delays are are various, I think, but the the situation keeps evolving since our COVID lockdowns. Um, It's not been entirely clear where the economy is going and how the finances are going to look. Um, As time goes by, things in the immediate future are looking rather rosier tax-wise in terms of our revenue versus expenditure looks um, to be in surplus at the moment. So that's good, but we still have to worry about um, uh, capital expenditure. There's a lot of capital expenditure in the pipeline. Uh, We've got the new school and college for education, which is a priority. Health need um, nursing accommodation quite badly. That's a, 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 a big point. Then we've got to worry about, are we doing a, a harbour scheme? And if so, how big and expensive is, is it going to be? Um, so there is that, uh, which has to be accounted for. Uh, then the question is, how do you account for it? Do you, As I say, our, our current account is in surplus at the moment. So do you fund it partly by perhaps borrowing and then amortising these big items over, say, 30 years. A school should last 30 or 40 years. It's built right. Um, So do we do that? If we do that, does that make the um, accounting easier in terms of taxes or not? So there's a lot of discussion still going on. Um, I mean, the other issues around taxing and spending are, can the states do better at getting its expenditure under control? Should we put a cap on staffing? Should we put a cap on uh, expenditure so that it doesn't go up more than inflation in some areas? You can't do it everywhere. The health is a particularly 
difficult issue. So I think all of those issues, I'm not on PNR, so I don't know all of the issues that they're discussing, but there's a lot for them to worry about, which is probably why this tax review has been delayed. I mean, and the other, and, uh, talking of, someone mentioned elephants in the room. The other elephant in the room is the civil service pension plan. Can we get a grip on that in terms of what are potentially open-ended liabilities, possibly by um, closing it to new members would be a start. That is a big issue, which we've we've ra- rather avoided. Uh, another issue that we're all facing, I think, both in the public and the private sector, is this tendency now not to want to work for a full week or to work from home. Um, we started off with flexible working, which works fine. I, I've been a partner of a law firm, and I've always allowed particularly female staff to have flexible working. Um, So I think that's a very good idea, but it's moving on now to more working from home and even working fewer days. Now, if we do that, as sure as night follows day, we're going to produce a little bit less, and we're not going to be quite as wealthy as we were if we're working less. So there's there's an issue around that and keeping a grip on that and, and trying to make sure that these these changes in working practices don't. You're, you're coming at this from a very different point of view to uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, for example, who just, I, just uh, announced what, they're going down exactly that route. That's they what seem put, very confident about that's it. That's what put it in my mind. I was curious as to how they can go from working for a five-day week to a four-day week without increasing the hours in those four days and without reducing productivity. I've, I don't know PwC very well. Nobody's talked to me privately about it. But from reading the article in your press, I couldn't see how they squared the circle on that. Um, no doubt somebody from PwC will write in at, at, at a later time. Well, they're, they're going on the basis of research that's been done in similar schemes elsewhere. I mean, they seem very confident about it. I mean, I mean, well, they could be right. They could be right. It's their firm, not mine. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's difficult conceptually. As I say, I work... Well, the accounting firms have a slightly different issue. They tend to be frantic for three or four months of the year and then have a slow period. Uh, so it may be that that's a difference. I, uh, my working life was in a law firm, and there's no way I could see the lawyers cutting, their out, cutting down to four days a week. I can't see that happening in a law firm, to be honest. But I could be wrong. That times change. I, I imagine it's specific um, to certain uh, sectors. Uh, yeah, um, and there are, of course there are sectors where you can't cut down hours or, or, or work from home. You know the the builders, the plumbers, the heating engineers, the gardeners can't do that. They have to work on on site, so they're still working. I, I was talking to my gardener um, a couple of days ago, Portuguese guy. I mean, he works six days a week and all bank holidays except Easter and Christmas. Um, so it's extraordinary what, what, what some people still do. But why, why do you flag this up as uh, one of the issues that you're concerned about when it comes to this you know, um, macroeconomic concern about paying, paying our way? And, uh, you know, well, not, it's, a, it's a macroeconomic concern if... It reduces our productivity as an island. If it reduces the productivity of the private sector, then that has knock-on effects. We will be a little bit worse off. That's as night follows day. Uh, Hopefully, that won't happen, but I think it is a risk if we're not careful. So that's a big macroeconomic issue. It's not something that P&R can really do anything about right now, Uh, except, I suppose, keep an eye that productivity 
remains constant in the, in the public sector. And you've listed a number of uh, the things that we're going to have to you know, find ourselves spending money on with the nursing accommodation, etc., and the school reorganisation. Um, have these things persuaded you that we are going to need to um, increase taxation in some way in, in, or even broaden the tax base, as, as has been suggested? Um, because we've... Um, We've we've reached a point where this one of the running themes in the states I've noticed this this uh, year this calendar year is um, presidents of committees saying we've got all this work to do we haven't got the staff to do it you know it it, it it does seem we've reached a point at least if we believe the presidents of these committees that we're as lean as we can be in terms of our uh, public services um, and if we look for any more cuts and think that that's where the solution is well aren't we going to get into more trouble. I, I think we can probably do better. In fact, the two committees that I'm on, scrutiny management and development and planning, have not been pushing for more staff. In fact, um, as I recall, uh, over the last year, development and planning have actually not taken their full budget. So there are areas where we're, we're doing quite well. And as I say, we're trying to be more on, on planning. I can talk for that. We are trying to be as efficient as possible. We are trying to uh, cut unnecessary work um, uh, and look at more critically as to whether we need to do development frameworks in certain areas and that sort of thing. So it's always possible to squeeze down a bit. Well, you can you can lend some of your staff to Deputy Indo. I'm sure he'll be delighted. He well, he's, about he's he, Deputy Indo's department. I think has done quite well. Um, you have to ask him about that. But I, but I think his his economic development department has, has done well on all this. So in answer to your in answer to your final question, at this point, I'm not convinced that we need to have GST right now. I think we need to work out what we can do to save money, how we're going to account for our capital expenditure, and then look again. But long term, obviously, we do have a problem with ageing. Um, and you could mitigate that to some extent by more immigration of younger people or trying to avoid our younger people leaving the island. But then you, have, then you start pushing up population problems and housing problems. So there are, it is a nightmare to try and work out how to deal with everything together it's very difficult how do you see it martin well um we could take various views on 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 tax and i think it depends which part of the demographic you're in as well you know um i wouldn't like to see gst but that's just my my personal view i think we probably do need to uh, raise taxes somewhere along the line but um on your thing about population and and employment i mean we were talking about liberation day earlier um, I was had a meeting yesterday with with the uh, the landlord at the last post, and they're tearing their hair out trying to find cooks, waiters, you know, barmen. The people are not there to employ. He's, the struggle on Liberation Day is going to have, have enough staff there to you know to meet the demand on on the day, and, and right the way through, whoever you talk to, you can't get the staff. Uh, you know, in, in number of industries, I, I have a friend uh, who's whose husband is, is in the building industry. You know, it's, it's absolutely awful. We're trying to get work done uh, within the parish on, on some property we own, uh, and it should have started in 2020, and it's, it, it's still not finished. You know, I don't know where we had COVID along the way, but, you know, the, the builders just can't get the, the staff they need on island to, to complete this work, and that's going to just keep going, I think. 
and I imagine then short of us all taking on more jobs and working in the evenings doing different roles then the answer would have to be bringing people in or at least relaxing the restrictions on how people can be brought onto the island to work right. in these and jobs were, is that and correct then, and then where are you going to accommodate them yeah, I think the Home Department, our Home, our home Committee, are well aware of all these issues and um, they are working on them. We're trying to make it easier to bring in staff at the moment, uh, but after Brexit it's now more difficult to get in. We've got to get through the, the sort of UK fence and then into Guernsey, so they're working on trying to make that as, as easy as possible, but it is more difficult after, after Brexit. And we're also suffering from the pound being quite low. So if you're a Latvian or a Portuguese from Madeira, uh, you're finding the pound is now worth less in terms of the euro than it was before. And a lot of these people are sending money home. So a, a falling pound is a problem. So all in all, wages are going up, which is actually great for working people. It's a rebalancing. So wages are going up, but then that makes the cost of everything worse, in, in, including housing which, and in t- also in terms of housing you've got the cost increased cost of uh, uh, bricks mortar paint wood i'm having my house painted at the mo- at the moment and and my painter came in uh, yesterday with a load of paint and said mr dyke you won't believe what i've just paid for this uh, obviously i'll be paying for it shortly um and, and prices are doubling, and I think some woods are now three times what they were. So you've got all of these pressures that we have to try and deal with, and it really is quite, quite difficult. And, and uh, while all that is going on, you're also, you were just mentioning just a few moments ago, in the position of wanting to restrict the... Um, eligibility of civil servants to pensions and what have you so i mean people are no there, there are going to be my, pockets of the island where the, the squeeze is from both ends aren't they no my so suggestion right. there was that that new entrants to the, to the civil service should go on a normal pension plan is that the same pay um what, what's the phrase the you know, the pension where you pay and and you have a pot and out of that comes your pension as opposed to the open-ended yeah. Um, final salary scheme. I guess the point really is, I mean, I know, I know the government is always in a tricky position with this, but when you have high inflation, which we're seeing now for the first time in a long time, um, in fact, I think we'd, we, you have to go back to the 90s to find a sustained period where inflation is as high as is anticipated to be over the next year or two. Um, then, obviously, the, the real value of people's wages is falling, and if their pay doesn't keep up with it, then they're losing money and yet if you award pay rises especially whether it be private or public sector that that keep up with it then you are seen to be encouraging inflation this is going to be something we're going to be talking about a lot in the next year isn't it yeah inflation is probably going to be more more of a topic i suppose there's one bright point for guernsey and at the moment we seem to have a long-term contract for electricity with edf which is so we're not facing the sudden increase that in prices that um, are happening in the UK. And gas, um, well, the gas price here is open to the market, but fewer people here use gas, and the States has put in a program to help those who heat their home with gas uh, to help them with that, that increase. So at the moment, we're not suffering as badly as the UK from inflation, but eventually it, it, it's going to hit us to the same extent. 
I, I would say that just at a more local level, um, as I was say, saying earlier, we're about to issue uh, our rates um, uh, demands to, to the parish. And historically, we've, you know, people just within a month or two, 80% of that money is has come in, no, no questions about it. It's not a great burden on people, but we're already conscious that this year we feel it's, even the modest rates are going to be more of a burden on, on people and we will expect to get more calls um, from ratepayers, you know. And, and how does this play out when, when you're faced with, you know, being required to pull in money from people who are... Um, in some cases struggling to pay I mean what kind of arrangements can be made and and, and you know does it present much to your workload that, that, that actually having to go out and, and chase payment it, it does because on a small parish like ours we, we have a single employee uh, who, who works nine hours a week you know really basic running of the parish but at this time of the year much busier collecting uh, collecting rates and so on so um, it, it can put quite a bit of a, a stress on on us as as an administrative team, um, but we're more conscious of what the, the stress on the ratepayers really. And are you already seeing a sort of slowdown in the amount coming in from these rates? Well, they haven't gone out yet. Oh right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So last year was relatively relatively uh, okay. yeah. yeah. But then inflation uh, and we in. the last two years we we've actually tightened our belts as a parish and we've we've kept, tried to keep a a cap on the rates we sent out you know we've we've cut down on some some spending you know we had the covid times and so on but unfortunately this year some of those things just have to be done so we will be asking for a bit more at a time when you know things things are getting more difficult that's an interesting insight and you've been serving the parish there in st andrews as you said as we mentioned for a decade now have you ever been tempted to uh, cross over to the dark side and, and uh, join Deputy Dyke and his ilk in the uh, in the state's chamber to stand for election? Uh, no, um, and I'll, I tell you why. Um, no, I wouldn't, because I think I'm getting to that age now where you know if, if you go in, I'll be another one of those old grey men, you know, that that everybody seems to object to. You know. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm very pleased with what I'm doing now, and I think you know serving the parish for some people has been a route, you know, to 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 go into the chamber uh, as a deputy. You do learn something about it, and of course, in 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 previous terms before the island-wide voting, you know, we used to meet monthly with our local deputies and discuss matters with them that they could take to the states. But we've lost all of that with with island-wide voting. We, we don't have that interface with the deputies anymore. And uh, can I finish by asking you, Deputy Dyke, um, you, you know, we're not quite halfway through this um, state's term yet, it's about 18 months, isn't it? Um, how does the experience of being a deputy compare to what you anticipated it would be when you, when you first decided that you were going to put your name forward? It, it's much what I thought it would be, actually. It is quite difficult to get things done. Th- things move slowly. And on top of that, not everyone agrees with you. So, you know, if you partner in a law firm, you can tend to get your own way when you think something's right. In the States, it's much more difficult because everyone comes at everything with a different viewpoint. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure that I'm the most brilliant politician at trying to convince people of, uh, of what's right and wrong. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, there are some frustrations, although I, I'm moderately 
optimistic about how things are going. And do you think you'll, uh, you're sufficiently enthused that you'll put your name forward again for an, another term? Oh, no, it's it, a couple of years away. It, it's a bit early for that. And I think my family might have something to say, actually. <laughs> Fair enough. I, mean, I, I should ask, actually, because being a member of the Guernsey Party is quite a, quite a unique thing in a sense that, that um, you're the only party left standing now. Um, there were a few other manifestations of parties and pseudo-parties, but um, as well as um, being a, a, a representative group in, in the in the assembly, do, do you also meet regularly outside of um, states meetings? Yeah, yeah, we meet and talk a lot. I mean, we're cons- broadly we've got the same approach to things. We're, by no means we all agree on everything all the time, so we're not a tightly whipped party. But we do try to organise things together, and we we talk a lot. So it's it's. Um, I think it's a success. We've got some people who do research for us, who help us along with ideas and and. Um, sorry, uh, sorry, do you have member? Do you have members of the party outside of the the parliamentary representation as well? Then who, yeah, who we're open to, to new members if anyone wants wants to join. I mean, what I what I'd like to see with the party is it is it continue and into the next election, ideally with more candidates. Because, I mean, we started from, from nothing, and there were two strands of the party that eventually came together before the election to make, to make one party. But it will be nice, I think, if the, at the next election we can present a united group with a set of policies, and people will know that basically we, we're small government, libertarian types uh, who... You know, we'll spend money to to help the truly needy, but try and keep costs under control, and and try and bear in mind um, individual freedoms and, and liberty. And I think that's what we stand for. And I hope we could go into the election, into the next election, with with that program, so that people can understand what they're voting for. At the moment, the problem with not having parties is that you don't always understand the candidates you're voting for. So often you don't get exactly what, you, what you're bargaining for. So that, is, to me, is the advantage of parties. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I agree uh, with my friend here. Uh, I'm sorry to see... I was very sorry to see the Duzane rep- representatives go from the, um, from the States, actually, because they gave you a view from a different angle, from closer to the population and it, it was a good thing to have in fact I, I think we actually had the ideal constitution about 15 years ago before we stopped started messing with it with the concierges I thought were a good idea and we've lost lost them and the Duzane reps so now you've got one type of deputy as opposed to different types coming in in different ways and I think that's a bit of a loss although we haven't yet seen really how the current system works. So it, this system has a, a way to go to evolve before we really see how it uh, fleshes out. I suppose. Yeah, it was difficult for people at the last election. I mean, it's difficult for me. I was in, politi- I'm in politics and going through that book with 130 people, uh, a lot of whom one didn't know at all. It was quite difficult trying to work out who to vote for and how many people to vote for. I... I reckon that I knew about 26 people quite well and then I, I voted for them. So obviously I voted for my party members. And there, there were a lot of good independents and, 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 and other deputies in the States. So the independent thing is good at one level, 
But on the other hand, if, if you do have parties, then people know better what they're voted for. A mix of both. If we can stick to a mix of both, I think that's probably the best bet. I thoroughly enjoyed reading every page of that book, but I realise that I'm not representative of the uh, general population. I'm a bit of a politics nerd. Uh, but I, I think we'll, um, we'll watch that with great interest uh, on, on this politics feed as we uh, head. To, it's, it's a long way off, but I'm fascinated by the evolution of this uh, party politics. But, um, gentlemen, um, we'll leave it there, I think. Uh, we're out of time. So um, thank you very much for giving up your time to join me today and um, good luck with your, um, with your agendas and getting the things done that you, you're aiming to do in the next few weeks. Well, thank, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you.